0: Welcome to Lead On, the program where we talk about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I'm Jeff Wards, the president of Gateway Seminary, and I've been a ministry leader for a number of years. I've been a church planter and a pastor. I've been a ministry executive. And in all these different venues, I've learned a lot about what it means to take the Bible and good theological principles and apply them to the practical concerns of ministry leadership. Now, if you're new to this program, this is not really a preaching show or necessarily a teaching show in terms of looking at the Bible or looking in depth into passages of Scripture. I really enjoy doing that in other venues, but that's not the purpose of this program. This program is about talking about the practical issues that are facing pastors, missionaries, church planters, lay leaders like deacons and elders, and others in churches who are doing their best to try to advance God's kingdom. Now, I've been working over these past few programs through a list of issues that were surfaced at the end of 2020 and in early 2021 by companies that survey pastors to try to find out what's happening with them, uh, what are the concerns they're expressing, and how really they need to be helped to deal with the pressing issues of ministry leadership today. And if you've been listening to the program these past few weeks, you know we've touched on a number of different issues, and we come again to another one of those pressing issues that pastors and other church leaders have identified, and that is emotional fatigue, or what some people call decision fatigue, in ministry leadership. This morning, another person dropped by my office just for a few minutes to talk about his ministry to pastors, and He said that as he's dealing with pastors, uh, they're telling him that they're just worn down. They're worn down by all of the different decisions they've had to make to try to deal with the pandemic, to try to deal with all the changes that have been thrust upon them because of these circumstances and other related issues. And so that really confirmed to me that not only did a lot of pastors say this was a problem in a survey, but a guy that I know that works intensely with pastors in helping them through crisis situations like this, reported the same kind of issue. So today, let's talk about emotional fatigue or decision fatigue in the context of ministry leadership. What causes this decision fatigue, this being tired of dealing with all the issues that are going on right now? Well, three or four things showed up in the survey, and in my conversations with pastors, these things have been confirmed. First of all, Pastors and other church leaders are simply tired of the perpetual uncertainty that we're living in right now of not knowing what's coming next. Now, all of us deal with some uncertainty in life, to be sure, but churches and pastors particularly have a rhythm about life that you know every Sunday you're going to have certain services and every week you're going to see certain people and Every uh, month, there are going to be certain kinds of meetings, and that sort of a rhythm of ministry life brings a lot of comfort to us in the context with all the different kinds of things we have to deal with in the rest of our lives. But right now, there are all kinds of circumstances that are disrupting those schedules and causing us to not really know what's coming next. And then on top of that, Many of us who lead organizations have also been puzzled by having to deal with all of the changing rules and conflicting policies that are coming from various levels of governmental authorities. The federal government says one thing, the state government says another thing, your local county government says a third thing, and quite frankly, very soon this can all become very burdensome and very wearisome to try to deal with this perpetual uncertainty. Another cause for this being tired of dealing with all the issues is tired of dealing with petty conflicts over lesser issues. One person said, I'm so tired of refereeing arguments about whether or not to wear masks. I'm so tired of listening to complaints about uh, how we're having to alternate between live services and outdoor services and in-person services. I'm frustrated that people are uh, bringing petty conflicts about politics and public issues into ministry situations, not the serious and substantive ones, but just the smaller ones that are a nuisance to everyone. I'm just tired of dealing with petty conflicts. I mentioned that friend earlier that came by to see me recently who talk, who meets and works directly with pastors, and he said the thing they tell him that's been the hardest during all of this difficult time we've been through, has been handling the criticism for their decisions over things that they consider these lesser issues. Another factor has been pastors are tired of being the punching bag for frustrations that people have with others. In other words, uh, people are frustrated with the government, they're frustrated with their boss, they're frustrated with their financial situation, uh, they're frustrated with their physicians and their capacity or inability to access health care they're just frustrated and they tend to take that out on a person that they feel the safest venting on and often that's a ministry leader, whether it's an elder or a deacon or a program director or even a pastor. sometimes this is called the kick the cat syndrome. Uh, you know you, you you go to work and and your boss yells at you and you go home and you yell at your spouse and, your spouse goes in the next room and yells at the children and the children get up and stomp out in anger. And one of them kicks the cat and the poor cat looks around and wonders, what did I do wrong? How did I get involved in this? Well, it's because it got passed down to the, uh, to the animal in this case, or the person in the case of many ministry leaders, who's least likely to respond in some kind of negative fashion. Pastors feel that way. Church leaders feel that way during the pandemic and all the things that have gone along with it. All of the frustrations that people have that should really be directed toward other people are being directed toward them. They feel like they're at the end of the line getting kicked when they really didn't cause the problems in the first place. And then uh, another frustration is that pastors are just tired of not being able to do hands-on pastoral ministry. And this is really the meat and potatoes, if you will, of small church pastors and leaders particularly. Not being able to go to a hospital and pray with a member in crisis, not being able to be with families who are experiencing bereavement and possible loss of a family member, not being able to do funerals, especially church funerals, where lots of people come and offer support and care, and pastors feel a great deal of, uh, of significance and responsibility in ministering in those situations tired of not being able to do hands-on pastoral care, not being able to meet with people one-on-one, not being able to schedule a lunch or schedule a coffee or schedule a meal because those things aren't available right now. All of these kinds of things bring that sense of fatigue to pastors and to other ministry leaders. So why do pastors and deacons and elders and program leaders and associate pastors and people who are trying to give leadership in the church at a time like this have decision fatigue? Why are they tired of dealing with all the issues? Why do they feel emotionally flattened by all that's happened around them and is happening to them? Well, I've given you at least some reasons. They're tired of this perpetual uncertainty. They're tired of dealing with petty conflicts. They're tired of being the punching bag for frustrations people have with others that express it uh, to them. And they're just tired of not being able to do their hands-on pastoral ministry that they find so fulfilling. And as I said, this last part is really the meat and potatoes it's really the core of what it means to be the pastor of a smaller church. Did you know that this burden has fallen particularly on pastors and other church leaders in smaller churches? And in fact, this is the way most this is the size of most churches and the way that most church leaders operate. Did you know that more than 80% of evangelical churches in the United States have 200 or fewer attenders on a Sunday, and about half of the churches in the United States have less than 100 people attending them every single week? We have in Southern California here these huge flagship churches, and we thank God for them, and they make a significant contribution uh, in this area. But for every one of those There are hundreds of other churches that, if they're fortunate, have a pastor, many of them a bivocational pastor, who have mostly lay leadership who are trying to meet all the needs in this very difficult time. You know, if you're in a very large church... And you have a full media department, and a difficult time like this arises where you have to convert everything to some other kind of media for it's for information distribution, for worship services, for for meetings, for all of those kinds of things. Well, you just get your media team and get on it. If you're the pastor of a church that has 50 to 70 people who come on a good Sunday and you're depending on a couple of lay leaders like deacons or elders or Sunday school teachers or maybe some program leaders, and you're fortunate if you even have a part-time administrative assistant who works in your church office, if you're that person, then all of what I've been describing so far in this, uh, in this program, all of it comes back on you. And that, friends, is a heavy burden. And it causes pastors and other church leaders in those kinds of situations to feel a pretty significant burden of leadership isolation and causes them to experience this decision fatigue, this emotional fatigue that comes from having to deal, as one person said, with all the issues. So how do you recover from this? What do you do proactively to go forward in a healthier way? Well, let me give you five or six suggestions on the program today that will help you deal with the emotional fatigue, the decision fatigue that comes to us in ministry, particularly in crisis times like we're living through right now. Number one, get some perspective on what other leaders are facing and adjust accordingly. Now, it was very interesting when I read the survey material and the article and talked with my friend that was leading me toward putting this program together, I also received a text message from another friend who'd read some of the same information and had drawn some very different conclusions. While I read the information and drew the conclusion of, man, pastors are hurting and I need to step in with a word about how they can manage this time more effectively, he wrote me and said, listen, one of the parts of your presentation needs to be, stop whining and recognize all leaders are going through a difficult time right now. This particular friend who sent me that text is a former Navy chaplain who's been in war zones as a chaplain all over the world. Recently, he retired from that post and moved into being the senior director of pastoral care for a large hospital. He said, everywhere I've worked in my life, leaders have been stressed by the circumstances surrounding them. Whether they were physicians or military officers or anything associated with either of those professions, leaders are frustrated. Leaders experience fatigue. Leaders are emotionally depleted. And it's not just pastors who are going through this, but everyone that's in leadership is going through it. So what he advocated and where I'll start is stop whining, get past that victim mentality. Yes, it's hard. No question about that. But it's no harder for us than it is for a lot of other people who are trying to provide leadership during this difficult time. So get some perspective. Recognize that, yeah, it's tough, but you know what? A lot of people are having a tough time right now, and I need to model effectively dealing with that rather than whine about it and diminish my leadership, especially in the eyes of other leaders who may be watching me for cues for their own survival of this difficult time. So get some perspective on what other leaders are facing and recognize that you're not that unique in the difficulty that you're going through right now. Second, adjust your definition of success or of effectiveness in ministry right now. Adjust your expectations. Now, this doesn't mean that you simply give in and say, well, we can't do much and I'll just have to accept that. No. Instead, Adjust your definition of what real effectiveness looks like right now, what real success looks like right now, and then work toward fulfilling that, not comparing it to things that, how things were a year ago or how things need to be, but instead how things are. For example, you may not be able to have in-person hospital visits right now, but that does not mean that you cannot extend pastoral care to people. Just yesterday, someone that I know was hospitalized with COVID. I knew I could not visit them. I knew they couldn't take a phone call for me given the breathing difficulties they were having. Instead, I sent a text and said, I'm praying for you. I'm here for you. I know you can't talk right now and I can't see you, but nevertheless, I want you to know I'm with you. And within just a few moments, I had a response that thanked me profusely for my concern and my support. The person realized I could not do more for them in that moment, but they also realized I was doing everything I could do in that moment. So I've had to adjust my expectations of what I can do, what defines success, and what equals effectiveness in this kind of ministry environment. I've also had to redefine some of my strategies and methods, as I just described, texting instead of visiting in a hospital context. And I'll give you another one that seems so simple and basic and yet has proved to be profound for me and for others I know who are also doing this same thing. Adjusting their expectations, shifting their methodologies to fit the current circumstances, and then evaluating those in light of what we can do, not what we can't do. And that suggestion is this. Rediscover the telephone. Did you know that you can actually make a voice phone call on your telephone? I know for most of us, our phones have become our email devices and our texting devices and our app access devices. But during this time that we've been living through for these past months, I've just rediscovered the power of the telephone to actually call a number and say, hello, how are you? Let's talk for a while and to put that phone on speaker and carry on a normal conversation with a person. Now, rather than complain about the people that I'm not able to see in person, I've maximized my skills at connecting with people by phone and using as much voice connectivity as possible to make a difference in their lives. So. Adjust your definition of success or effectiveness and shift your methodologies in these new circumstances so that you can define success or effectiveness in light of what you can really do right now, not in light of what you used to be able to do or what you think you ought to be able to do. Third, another way to overcome emotional fatigue and decision fatigue in ministry is to lessen your dependence on being needed to validate your ministry. Now, this is the dirty little secret of why so many pastors are frustrated right now and so many church leaders are frustrated right now about not being able to do hands-on pastoral ministry. We enjoy doing that not only for what it accomplishes in the life of the person we're trying to minister to, but we also enjoy it because of what it means for us personally, for the sense of fulfillment and validation we get from being involved in pastoral ministry to others. You know, one of the most dramatic examples of this happened to me a number of years ago. I was working with a pastor in the in the state of Washington. He was a very, very effective and very busy pastor with a fast-growing church. I sat down with him one day, and he, he showed me a building plan they were going to construct, which included an auditorium that seated 1,000 people. And I'm not quite sure why I was prompted to ask this question, but I looked at that plan and just said, hey, why just decide on 1,000? Why, why not 1,200? Why not 750? What, what made you choose 1,000? And I thought he might say something like, well, that's the size that the building will or the, the, the land will support, or that's the size of the parking lots that can be built that will be uh, in proportion or something like that, or maybe even that's as much as we can afford, but that's not what he said. He said, we're building for 1,000 because that's the number of people I know that I can take care of. My blood went cold. I said, you can take care of a 1,000 people? Oh, yes. Yes, he said, I know I can take care of a 1,000 people, and that's the number because that's how many I can care for. Well, we shifted our conversation at that point because I wanted to help him understand that was a completely unrealistic expectation. But the more we talked, and frankly, the more I got to know him over time, the more I realized that he had a deep need to be needed that his personal security and his sense of well-being and the validation of his ministry came from the fact that others needed him. He told me later on that every time the phone would ring, his immediate response was to leap up and rush to the person who called to see how he could help them. He told me stories of popping a bowl of popcorn with his children sitting down in front of the television to watch a movie and then the phone ringing, and out the door he would go. He did this over and over and over and I finally got involved with him at the worst possible crisis time when his wife left him because she was no longer willing to be abandoned emotionally by him as he sought the validation of others to fulfill his ministry. One of the reasons that some of you get so overwhelmed With so much emotional fatigue, so much decision fatigue, so much being drawn out of you is because you are giving of yourself not just to meet the needs of others, and that's legitimate, but you're also giving of yourself because, quite frankly, you need to be needed. you got to break that. You have to lessen your dependence on that for your validation in ministry. Now, every one of us likes to be needed. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but when it gets to the point where it's out of control and it's driving you to destructive behaviors in ministry that are damaging your family, your relationships, even your health, then you know you need to break that dependence. Well, another suggestion to overcome decision fatigue and emotional fatigue of ministry is to reject the myth that you're responsible to keep everyone happy. You know, the United States has founding documents, and one of them says that we are granted life, liberty, and happiness. That is not what it says. It does not say that we are granted life, liberty, and happiness. It says we're granted life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Ministry leaders make a mistake if they believe that they can make or keep everyone happy. It's impossible. It's impossible. You cannot make people happy. You cannot keep people happy. And you have to reject the myth that you are responsible for that. You can create an environment where people can pursue happy, but you can't guarantee that it's going to happen for every single person every single time. Which leads me to my next suggestion, and that is, especially when you're dealing with difficult people or difficult circumstances, you're going to overcome emotional fatigue and decision fatigue if you can do this. And that is, learn to make the best decision possible and then move on. Move on. Stewing over decisions, second-guessing yourself, is a sure sign that you are on a downward spiral emotionally and will be drained dry any spiritual or emotional energy you might have brought to the task. Learn to make the best decisions possible and then move on. Not stewing over your decisions or second-guessing yourself or even vacillating in response to complaints so that you make a decision and then you unmake it when people complain and you make another decision and then you unmake that one when a different set of people complain and the endless cycle repeats while you make decisions and retract those decisions, trying to find a way to make everyone happy. You know, when I was a little bit younger and had teenage children in my home, we had many uh, long and spirited conversations about various aspects of and uh, things that my kids wanted to be involved in. In other words, we were a normal family, and we would often have long discussions about what was appropriate and what was right and what needed to be done and what I wanted done and what they wanted done. And because I was the father and I had responsibility for my home, my children understand. My children understood that. Ultimately, I was going to have to make the final decision and we were going to have to move on. And I must have said this a hundred times to my children at one time or another in our conversations. I would say, you know, I might be wrong or I might be right. But this conversation is over and this is what we're going with this time. I might be wrong. I might be right. But we got to move on. So this conversation is coming to an end, and this is what we're going to do this time. You know, that's the way it is in church leadership as well. You're not always going to get the decisions right, and you can't arrogantly say, my way is always the best way. But what you can say is, I might be right, I might be wrong, but it's my responsibility to make the decision. And so today, this is what we're doing. Now let's move on. And then not looking back, not stewing, not redeciding, not going back and revisiting, but simply moving on. So recovering from emotional fatigue and decision fatigue, shift your perspective, adjust your expectations, lessen your dependence, reject the myth you can keep everyone happy, and learn to make the best decisions possible and then move on. And then finally, finally. To keep you moving forward, remember to focus on your mission, the mission of expanding God's kingdom and how that mission uniquely expresses itself in your church or your mission organization and or your ministry organization and then keep at that mission. Nothing energizes me more than setting aside all of the lesser distractions and all of the lesser issues and all of the lesser challenges and refocusing my attention on why I'm really here. Expanding God's kingdom, the best I know how, especially as it's been assigned to my particular church or my particular ministry organization. Emotional fatigue, decision fatigue. It's wearing church leaders down during these difficult days. Put into practice some of the suggestions I've made for you today and you will be able to survive, if not thrive, as you lead on.